Well, I have never been much of a basketball fan. But I did live in Phoenix, Arizona for a season, and it's pretty hard to ignore the Phoenix Suns when you uh, live in Phoenix because they're a pretty big part of the Phoenix culture. And Charles Barkley was still playing for the Suns when I first moved there. And I love the story that he told about how his mother was angry at him after the 1992 presidential election because he told her that he had voted for President George Bush. And he said, she said to him, Charles, don't you know that George Bush is the rich people's president? And Barkley said, I looked at my mom and I said, Mom, we are the rich people. And of course he was. But as we start this message, I guess I should mention that I believe that all of us are rich. All of us are rich. If you had to decide what you were going to wear to church today, if you had more than one selection of clothing and you had to decide what to wear here today, you are wealthier than most people in the world. If you will eat more than one meal today, and that meal will be something other than a small cup of rice, you are wealthier than most of the people who live in our world. And I don't say that to make you feel guilty, but I hope it will help each of us to listen differently to this message called Surviving and Thriving While Successful. And some might be curious about this. I mean, you understood when we talked about surviving and thriving in an imperfect family, or when we talked about surviving and thriving when tempted, or uh, when uh, discouraged, or in times of trouble. But why would we talk about surviving and thriving while successful? I mean, many here today probably feel like they want that opportunity. They want that opportunity to try to survive being wildly successful for just a little while. You know, to be really rich, to be really popular, doesn't sound like a problem to most of us because we all have this idea if we could just overcome this stretch of bad luck that we're having, that we could have some success. If that could happen, then everything would be all right. But that isn't really true. Thomas Carlyle, the British essayist, said, Adversity is hard on a man, but for every one man who can stand prosperity, there are a hundred who can take adversity. Many times it's easier to be a follower of Christ in times of trouble than in times of success. And I don't have to look far to find people who have been absolutely ruined spiritually by success. I mean, in the Old Testament, we see King Saul. King Saul initially hid and said he wasn't worthy to be king, but later he was arrogant and tried to kill his successor. And David was a man after God's own heart, but success allowed him to use his power or try to use his power to try to cover up his sin in a horrible way. And King Solomon began by praying, who am I to govern so great a people and to humbly ask God for wisdom? But eventually he allowed his wives to turn his heart towards false gods and idols. 
And then in the New Testament, we read about Demas. According to the book of Colossians, he was traveling with Paul and helping Paul in his ministry. He was uh, changing lives and being with Paul in ministry. But later, Paul says Demas had deserted him, quote, having loved this present world. In our world today, we don't have to look far to find people who have been ruined by success. I mean, much has been written about people who win the lottery and the problems that they experience. One uh, study in Florida indicated that 70% of the lottery winners that they talked to had lost all of their winnings and were broke within five years. Now, I don't think those statistics hold up nationwide, but you can see all sorts of studies. I read about uh, one family that won $16.5 million in the lottery and one year later they were broke and in $1 million of debt. And you read about what is very consistent is the trouble that lottery winnings caused to marriages and families uh, within just a few years. When I asked Facebook people about uh, people who had been ruined by success, I got a whole list. You can go to my Facebook feed and you can see it, list of child stars and sports stars and politicians. So we wanna look at how to survive and thrive in times of success. I mean, we have seen Joseph so far in this series in so many situations. When we last left him, he had interpreted the dream of the king's baker and the king's personal servant. And he was then disappointed when the personal servant forgets to tell the king about him. As we mentioned at the end of our last message on Joseph, he sits in prison for two more years, disappointed, waiting to be remembered waiting to be treated right. Joseph has survived and thrived in many very difficult situations, but today his uh, fortunes are going to change. His situation is going to be greatly improved. Today, he becomes successful. We'll be looking at Genesis chapter 41, and you can turn there in your Bible or on your device. But rather than reading the whole chapter, let me tell you where we are. Again, as chapter 1 opens, two years have passed since the king's personal servant uh, was released from prison. And Joseph has now been a slave in Egypt for 13 long years. For 13 years, he has been a slave. And one night, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has a dream. And it's kind of a weird dream. In his dream, he sees seven fat and healthy cows come up out of the Nile River. And then they are followed by seven ugly and skinny and unhealthy cows who come up out of the Nile River. And the ugly, skinny cows eat the healthy fat cows, and they stay skinny. And that's when Pharaoh woke up. He wakes up and he's really disturbed by his dream. And he says, whoa, I promise I am never going to eat pizza again just before bedtime. <laughs> and then he goes back to sleep. And that's when he has another dream. This time he sees seven healthy heads of grain on one stalk. And then 
Seven more heads of grain appear on that stalk. These are thin and sun-scorched. And again, the healthy heads of grain are consumed by the unhealthy heads of grain. And so Pharaoh wakes up and he calls in his wise men. Look at these verses that we ended our message with the last time. They're in Genesis 41, verses 8 and 9. The next morning the king was troubled about these dreams, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men in Egypt. The king told them his dreams, but no one could explain their meaning to him. When the chief officer who served wine to the king said to him, now I remember something I promised to do, but I forgot about it. Finally, the king's servant remembers Joseph. And so the king's servant tells Pharaoh all about Joseph, about how he and the baker had both had dreams and how Joseph had accurately interpreted their dreams. Look what happens next in verse 14. So the king called for Joseph. The guards quickly brought him out of the prison and he shaved and put on clean clothes and he went before the king. So Joseph is brought from the dungeon to the palace. And again, this should remind us how quickly things change sometimes. In the message on surviving and thriving in times of uh, trouble, we said prosperity is temporary. But bad times are temporary also. Times of trouble and difficulty are temporary also. God can move and the problems can go away as quickly as they appear. So Joseph goes before Pharaoh and Pharaoh wants his dreams interpreted. Joseph says to Pharaoh, I cannot do it, but God can. And he listens as Pharaoh shares these strange dreams and then Joseph gives Pharaoh the interpretation that God shows him. Joseph says, Pharaoh, your two dreams mean the same thing. They mean the same thing. They mean that there will be seven prosperous years that will be followed by seven years of extreme famine. There will be seven prosperous years, and then we're going to have seven years of extreme famine. And then Joseph gives the king a plan of how to handle the situation. He suggests storing food during the good years so that he can supply his people during the bad years. Now look at these verses. Start with verse 37. The king and his officials liked this plan, so the king said to them, no one could possibly handle this better than Joseph, since the Spirit of God is with him. The king told Joseph, God is the one who has shown you these things. No one else is as wise as you are or knows as much as you do. I'm putting you in charge of my palace and everybody will have to obey you. No one will be over you except me. Now you are governor of all of Egypt. Then the king took off his royal ring and put it on Joseph's finger. He gave him fine clothes to wear and placed a gold chain around his neck. He also let him ride in the chariot next to his own. And the people shouted, make way for Joseph. So Joseph was governor of Egypt. Now, Joseph immediately goes from the prison to a totally changed life. I mean, he has extreme wealth immediately. That, the ring that the king gave him wasn't just because he wanted something, some bling on his fingers. That ring was like a credit card with no credit limit. 
Joseph could walk up to any vendor in Egypt and just go and get whatever he wanted and as much as he wanted. It was extreme wealth. And he had immediate fame. People made way for him on the streets. He was popular and he was immediately powerful and successful. After 13 years of rugged slavery, Joseph moved from being an outcast to being a superstar. From poverty to extreme wealth. And to many in Egypt, it must have seemed like it happened very quickly. It must have seemed like it happened very suddenly, but it wasn't sudden at all. A comedian who seemed to gain popularity quickly once said, it took me 30 years to become an overnight success. Joseph became successful, and he managed to stay faithful to God even in the midst of his success. Let me point out two ways that you and I can survive and thrive during times of success. First, Remember the dangers of success. Remember the dangers and recognize the dangers of success. It's clear that success really is a dangerous thing to our commitment to Jesus. Success is a dangerous thing to our commitment to Jesus. Jesus himself told us this. Look at this passage, uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 19. Then Jesus said to his followers, I tell you the truth, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Yes, I tell you that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus said this on this day, when he taught these words on this day, it was a shock to everyone who Jesus was talking to that day. It was a shock to everyone listening, including his disciples, because the people of that day had come to believe the same thing that many people today seem to believe. And that is, if you're wealthy, if you're successful, then you must be right with God. If you're wealthy, if you're successful, God must be blessing you. You must be right with him. But Jesus taught that money might pull a person away from God and that it would rarely help people succeed spiritually. C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his books, Prosperity is good campaign weather for Satan. Now, why is that true? Let's look at two of the dangers of success. The first is the danger of being dissatisfied. The danger of being dissatisfied. This is a danger we often don't think about because all of us think that most of our problems would be solved if we just had a little bit more money. I remember one man in our church in California, I, I just asked how he was doing. He said, Steve, I don't have any problems that wouldn't be solved if I had $100 more a week. Not one problem, he said, that wouldn't be solved if I had $100 more a week. Now, I think he was joking, but most of us think similar things. We think, I, I'm not greedy, I just need a little bit more money. I need a little bit more money. And we all think that, and, and here's the problem. People at all income levels think that. People at all income levels think they just need a little bit more money. When I was in my 20s, one of the wealthiest guys I knew told me, Steve, we're all broke at our own level. And I think he's right. I think he was right. The fact is, studies show that people who have a lot just want more. They just want more. 
They want better cars and houses and vacations. Uh, They want to move from millionaire to billionaire. They want to go from one successful business to a nationwide corporation. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes 5. Those who love money will never be satisfied with the money they have. Those who love wealth will not be satisfied when they get more and more. This is also senseless. Now, it's really easy for us to point at people who we think are really wealthy and shake our heads at them for wanting more, but what about us? What about us? Can, can you look at what you have and say, what I have is enough? I'm grateful for what I currently have. I, it's enough. My car, my house, my clothes, my shoes, it's enough. I don't need more. As I said, most of us really would be considered wealthy in comparison to most of the people of the world. And I suspect that most of us have at least had moments where we really experienced the danger of being dissatisfied. The second danger I want to talk about is the danger of being distracted. One of the main problems when we experience success is we get distracted from the really important things in life. I mean, you get so busy, you get so involved that you just don't have time for the things of God. And in your mind, nothing has changed. I mean, you just don't have time to keep the machinery of your life going and keep God going. We say things like, you know, our kids are only young once, and this is a season where they need to be involved in sports and activities, and we'll get them back into church and get them involved again when, when things slow down. Or, you know, we think this is a key time for us to grow our business or to move myself forward at work, and so I'll stop serving and I'll stop attending growth group uh, just for a time to achieve that next level in my career. Or we say, you know, we've got to travel while we're young enough to enjoy it, and we'll get to church when we can. Or it might be the distraction of this very real and very scary pandemic. I mean, you're trying to sort out what voices to believe and how to protect the health of those that you love, and you make choices that cause you to be more and more defensive with those who make different choices and more and more separated from those who normally would be breathing life into you. And in all of these areas, you don't think your heart's changed at all. You don't think your heart's changed at all. I mean, you still uh, feel that you love Jesus and you haven't renounced your values. You've, you've just put them aside temporarily but suddenly you find that the things that you're doing are not completely consistent with what you claim to believe. Or you just feel like God is far away. Or you just feel totally disconnected from your church and from other believers. And again, the danger of distraction is really a real thing for all of us. So like Joseph, to survive and thrive in times of success, we need to recognize the dangers of success and work to avoid them. Secondly, 
recognize the opportunities of success. The opportunities of success. Success brings many benefits. It brings many opportunities. Whatever level of success we experience in our lives, we will really thrive if we focus on the opportunities that we have and, uh, and focus on using them for Jesus. What are some of the opportunities when, that we have when we're successful? Well, one is you can point to Jesus. You can point to Jesus. This is what Joseph did. Again, look at verse 16. It is, this is what he said to the king. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Joseph gives credit to God for interpreting the dreams. He does this in verse uh, 25 and 28 also. And uh, it, according to verse 38 and 39, which we already read, the king noticed, the king understood that it was God that was working through Joseph. And when you go through things in your life, when things go well in your life, do you take credit for it? Or do you point to the one who helped you and gave you wisdom and guidance? We need to remember and acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes to us from God. That he is the one that gives success. Our success allows us to point to Jesus and say, he's the one who's helping me. He's the one that's leading me. If anything good is going on in my life, he gets the credit for that. Another opportunity of success is you can give. You can give. Now, all of us have the opportunity to help other people who are in need, and we should do that. All of us are commanded by Scripture to give at least 10% of our income to our church. But the more successful we are, the more opportunities we have to go beyond the minimum. To go beyond the minimum uh, and uh, to really help people who are in need. This is when we go from being obedient to God in this area of giving and we move to being generous. We're not generous when we do the minimum or less than the minimum. We become generous when we go beyond the minimum. And the Bible seems to say clearly that God gives us riches so that we can give more generously. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God is going to enrich us, not so that we can be rich, but so that we can be generous. We don't get more to have more. God gives us more so that we have more to give. And it's my experience that the more generous I am, the more God gives me so that I can be even more generous. Many of you are making a huge difference by giving uh, to our church. Many of you are being really faithful in that and going beyond the minimum with our church, and that's a great thing. That allows us to do some great things. Some of you have expanded your generosity even beyond giving to impact to include sponsoring a compassion child or maybe more than one, and uh, you will be helping us to pack meals in October that will benefit the people of the Navajo Nation in Arizona that are really struggling right now. You see, success gives us the opportunity to give more than the minimum. Let's look at one more opportunity that we experience when we're successful, and that is you can go. You can go. Joseph 
is in a faraway land, far away from home, and he was taken there against his will, but still he decides that he's going to help people in this foreign land during a crisis situation. Successful people sometimes have the opportunity to go and help others. Many of you have been on mission trips where you have gone somewhere else to help people in need. And some of you may need to reconsider your retirement plans. Whether you are close to retirement or whether you are years away, you might want to begin now praying about what God wants you to do with your retirement years. I know a couple that when they retired, they had decided they were going to spend three to six months every year while they were healthy enough to do it, doing something significant in service for Jesus the first year they traveled to Africa and they uh, took the place of some missionaries who were coming home on furlough. She spent uh, time uh, working in the office and organizing the office there and he spent time out in the mechanics shed repairing vehicles and they helped people and taught people and fed people and they spent six months doing that. And it was a great thing. The next year they moved about 100 miles away from their home and uh, they spent several months volunteering to help a brand new church that was getting started in that, that area. Is it possible that instead of spending your retirement sitting around at home or traveling the world for your own enjoyment, that God is preparing, to, uh, preparing you to serve him in some really significant way during those years. It could be volunteering on a consistent weekly basis at the church or uh, finding ways that you can volunteer in our community. It would be at least worth praying about and asking him if he wants you to use the opportunity to go and bless others. So we learn from Joseph a number of things. We learn how to survive and thrive while successful. And if we're going to do that, we've got to recognize the dangers of success and avoid them. And we need to recognize the opportunities for success and employ them in our life. Oswald Chambers is one of my favorite authors. I love his devotion book called My Utmost for His Highest. And I love what he said about prosperity. He said, not every man can carry a full cup. Sudden elevation frequently leads to pride and a fall. The most exacting test of all is to survive prosperity. Have you ever tried to carry a full cup? It's not easy, is it? If you're like me and you're carrying a really full cup, you're probably going to make a mess along the way. And as we seek to use the resources that God has given us in wise ways, we sometimes find ourselves making some messes. That's going to happen. And that's why we need to constantly depend on God's wisdom, even during really good times in our lives. Even at those times when maybe it doesn't seem like we need him as much because things are good, we need to depend on him. Now, I know some of you are sitting there and you are thinking, I can't really relate to this message very well. You are thinking, you know, I could relate far more to our message on surviving and thriving during times of trouble. I mean, you're thinking, I'm not successful at all, Pastor Steve. I'm just not at all successful. 
And if you're thinking that, it might be true if you're measuring success from a worldly standpoint. If you're measuring success by popularity and uh, by financial success. But I want you to remember that God uses a different standard of measure. God never called you or commanded you to be successful. He did call you and command you to be faithful. He commanded you to be faithful. And may we all be successful at obeying his command to be faithful. May we all seek to make it a priority to be faithful to Jesus, whether we achieve huge financial success or whether we struggle all of our lives to make ends meet. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you forgive us for the dissatisfaction that we have maybe right now as we try to convince ourselves that all of the blessings that we have still aren't real blessings after all, that they're not enough. Father, would you help us to avoid the danger of dissatisfaction, the danger of letting the blessings that we have distract us away from you and away from the really important things in our life. And then, Father, would you help us to recognize the opportunities. Father, thank you so much that every good thing that we have comes from you. Thank you, Father, that what we have isn't based on our skill and our ability, but it, it's based on your blessing in our life. And Father, we acknowledge that. And Father, would you help us to be generous because of the blessings you've given to us? Would you help us, Father, to find where you want us to go, where you want to use us for your purposes and your plan. And Father, if you show us the way, we'll walk in it. And Father, would you help us today? Would you put in our path someone who we can bless, someone who we can give to, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's a financial help? Father, would you help us to give uh, to you in this time. And Father, we thank you so much for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.